Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning. Scott Luton and Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Greg, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm really looking forward to this. I am too. So in today's episode, we're connecting with a global supply chain leader from one of the world's leading brands, famous for its quality skincare, makeup, fragrant, uh, fragrance, try to say that five times fast, yeah, and hair right? care products. And Greg, even more important, Huge uh, fans between Amanda and my mother-in-law, Val Midkiff. I mean, uh, I'm going to be, uh, they asked me to get Roberto's autograph, but we'll save all that uh, for a second here. Uh, hey, when a supply chain person gets to give out their autograph, you know the world has changed, right? <laughs> That's right. But, you know, getting aside, Greg, diving into the supply chains behind some of the big brands that we all know and love. These are some of our favorite episodes, right? Yeah, I love when we get to share with our, our listeners and our community that the people that are getting it done every day, right? I mean, the people who are living all of the pain that the rest of us sort of just observe as consumers um, and all of the opportunities and all of the innovations that are coming from that. Um, and it's it really, I think it really helps people, whatever their interest in supply chain is, whether it's as a consumer or as a practitioner, service provider, or just casual observer, to get to hear from folks like this and and understand a little bit more of the inner workings. Agree, agree. Well said. Well stated. Uh, so, Gosh, thank you. <laughs> with no further ado, <laughs> I want to welcome in Mr. Roberto Canavari, Executive Vice President, Global Supply Chain, with the Estee Lauder Companies. Roberto, how you doing? I'm doing super well. Thank you. You bet. Hey, uh, that was no joke. Uh, as I shared, maybe pre-show. Uh, Amanda was looking at the run a show for today. She's like, wait a second, you're interviewing someone from the Estee Lauder companies. She's like, my mom has been a customer since the seventies. Uh, me and Brantley are big users of Clinique and some other things. It was like stars in her eyes, Roberto. I, I love that. I, well, actually, that, that's one of the best thing that I can hear. People are really attached to the brand. That's, 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 that's what makes the difference. That's why we're working for. That's right. That's yeah. What are doing? Yeah, that's great. Um, so, so that aside, and, and, and we're going to put the Estee Lauder companies aside for a second, because I want to get to know you a little bit better. Greg and I love diving into the personal journeys that we're all on. So let's yeah. start with where you grew up or where get, and give us a couple of anecdotes about your upbringing. So I'll, uh, um, very, very, very quickly. I'm Italian. I was, uh, born in, in Africa though. I was born in, uh, at that time was Ethiopia. Now it's Eritrea which is independent from Ethiopia, with an Italian family. They, they, they were there. My grandparents went there. And when I was still very young, I moved to back to Milano, and I spent most of my, my life in, uh, in Milano. When I got married, I have, I'm, I'm married with two daughters. So I am a, if I have to introduce myself, I am, I'm first a, a dad and a husband, and then I, I do something in supply chain. <laughs> But after many years in Milano, in 2007, I think I left uh, uh, I left Italy, just following my career, and I spent uh, uh, 
a few years in Paris and went to London for many years and then less than a year in New York. So I've been, I've been lucky, I think, in terms of places I've been to, I think I've been lucky. No uh, Greg, I am so jealous of as he took us through all those wonderful global cities. What, what's your take there, Greg? Well, I, t- I may have creeped on, on Roberto's uh, profile a little bit. He's worked at Burberry, Unilever, a number of really prominent brands. Um, and, and I think particularly appropriate to wind up at one of the most prominent brands in the world from a consumer standpoint as well, because he brings not only the experience, I'm just guessing this, Roberto, but it seems like you do, the experience of a prominent global brand and supply chain, which is a, frankly a rare combination, right? For somebody to have been in, in on kind of all sides of the business as well. Excellent point. Um, so I've got one more quick question about uh, your um, uh, journey prior to your current role. But before we do, I've just got to ask Roberto, as you walked us through uh, you know, your international personal journey, Man, food comes to mind, and I—I I mean, you've had good fortune, I bet, to have uh, culinary treats from across the world. What's one food dish, regardless of all of your journeys? What's one food dish that that uh, still lingers on your mind from time to time? Oh, I have no doubt. I mean, as much I am passionate about food in general, I am passionate about Italian food as well. But the one. Uh, dish that I that it's close to it's my favorite also because it brings me back to Ethiopia or Eritrea when I was there is is I think it's an Eritrean food called zigini and uh, if you have never tried look for a Eritrean uh, uh, restaurant close to wherever you live and ask for zigini is absolutely uh, out phenomenal so it brings me back to when I was there five years old my mom. Uh, so there is probably some emotions together with the quality, but the quality is fantastic. <laughs> They're always part of it. That's right. Yeah, I mean that's part of it, right? Is that kind of bringing you back to your roots or whatever good good feelings that you had? So I'm gonna have to look that up, Scott. You take it from here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, all right. So Roberto, um, let's talk. Give us one role prior to your current role with Estee Lauder. What's one role that really uh, previously, it really shaped your worldview. Um, I, th- I think probably before this one was the one I had in Burberry, uh, and uh, but I've, I've been there like seven years as the chief supply chain officer. And, and well, first of all, it's a beautiful brand. I mean, like, but not like Unilever or Nestle, they're all phenomenal company. I think I've been very lucky in my career. But the reason why I'm mentioning Burberry is because it was um, um, coming at the end of an experience uh, again. I think being lucky in my career, I look. I, I was uh, um, uh, uh, leading global operations, global supply chains in a manufacturing environment, if you want, like Nestle, or then in a retail environment like Carrefour. And Burberry was the, 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 the perfect combination of the two because you are you are a manufacturing company, but also you are a retailer because you you own most of your your uh, your retail business. So the ability to combine the true and to end uh, was, was, was a great experience, which is the same experience here in, 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 in Estelode or similar. And, and then it was a very different, uh, different industry. So a lot of people were saying, well, actually, uh, when, you, when you move from FMCG to fashion, how do we adapt? This supply chain is very different. And, uh, and I was lucky enough, I think, to see 
the true end-to-end, I mean, being manufacturing and retail, but also different industries. And my learning experience has been twofold, I would say. One is, uh, yes, it's true that it's very different business, but the, the beauty of the job that we do, the beauty of supply chain is that, uh, you know, the, the basic rules are the same. It's your ability to understand the business and then play with the instruments that makes mm. the difference more than, oh, it's very different is another thing. It's the ability to play different songs, but the instruments are the same and you need to just put the accent in few areas or in other areas. And that, I think, has been a phenomenal learning for me. And I was just lucky because it happened that I was called in different places like this. It's not something that I... I, I wish I could say I had a, this in mind and it was the plan. It was just random. <laughs> but yeah. I was... I think it's been a great learning for this so, Undoubtedly. And Greg, I think he captures it well, especially the beauty yeah. of supply chain. I, I, I think that's uh, that last two-minute segment from Roberto... I think that's going to resonate with a lot of folks, right? I think thinking of it as, as the same instruments playing a different song is the perfect way to think about it because, you know, I've done a few thousand supply chain technology implementations. And, and what I've realized over that time is every single company is different in exactly the same way. That's just a fun way we used to say it. But essentially, you have the same tools, right? You have the same instruments, to accomplish different things. And I think when you look at it from that perspective, you realize that it's all music. You don't have to completely restart your from scratch, right? You start with a few notes and and you know and add a different melody or whatever based on how your your business um, operates. And sometimes those differences between businesses are just legacy of how they were constructed to begin with. And that doesn't mean that they can't be reconstructed, right? Or remastered. Um, yeah. I'm trying to stay with that. <laughs> you, you know, as as times evolve, right? Um, there, there are a lot more similarities between completely different companies than there, frankly, are differences. Oh, I and, and I think putting it in that perspective, that was really enlightening for me. That's a, that's a great analogy, Roberto. Yeah. Did you want to, Roberto? You, were you going to add a comic there? Yeah, maybe just adding, just just a couple of reflection on this one. I, I, um, and that is, I thought, I think one of the reason why I'm super passionate about this profession because you, you know, you can, um, it's like it's it's never ending. You can reinvent uh, this profession, and also also the the, the the world supply chain not always is is gives justice to to what we really do. Now, this is everything but a chain. And and we are not sequential. Not when I think of chain, I think sequential. This is this is really an ecosystem, a network, or something. And that the, the beauty of the analogy of the instrument is uh, we need. And I think this is a great evolution of our profession in, in most recent years. Is uh, how the, the level of visibility that we have reached on global chains or global network, let me say, or global ecosystem. So where you are, mm-hmm. you and the supplier of the supplier, or your channels, and you have multiple channels playing at the same time, how do you synchronize all that? That's the synchronization is a big word that we're using now in in, um, in, in yesterday other companies, is how do you synchronize all that? How do you play uh, the music of this network? Is really the essence of supply chain. And again, it's, it's, it, it is certainly not a technical role. It's absolutely a, a business strong business role. And again, the, the rules are the same. 
but then the, the music that comes out is very different because you need to adapt. And what is needed in Estee Lauder can be very different from what is needed in, in Unilever or in, in, uh, in, in a uh, fashion house like Burberry. But it, it's your ability to adapt more than changing the instruments, I think, is, yeah. is what makes this profession, I think, special. Well said. There's a lot of art now. I'm seeing lots of art now in global supply chain. It's a beautiful thing. Okay. So, Greg, where are we going next uh, with Mr. Kinnavari here? Well, so I have some history, believe it or not, with Estee Lauder. So um, I worked with a gentleman named Jerry Benjamin who spent 12 years long before your time at Estee Lauder. And then he went, as an example of exactly what you're talking about, he went into a completely different industry at a company called Henry Shine, which was veterinary and medical and dental supply. And, and he taught us every day how similar those businesses were. So I, I'm curious, you know, over the years, and I know it's been a relatively short tenure so far for you at Estee Lauder, but how have you seen the, the industry evolve, right? And, um, and tell us a little bit about how you've seen, because you kind of got there right in the midst of everything changing, how you've seen evolution of the consumer, their expectations, desires, how they shop, all that sort of thing. I'm just curious, you know, what you've seen there. Yeah, a few few things, uh, maybe starting with the consumer, but then taking it uh, wider to the, the, the industry in general. Um, uh, two things. One, I mean, we're we're an innovation company. We we constantly innovate. So I think the the, the product innovation is a big thing, and that uh, it's not only the consumer asking for more innovation, but also it's it's our proposition. It's like, it's our value to continue to create new opportunities, new. Uh, performances with the product, and and that is that is something that continues to evolve. And again, we are at the forefront of innovation in in uh, leading in our in our industry. That's one element. Uh, the other element, I think, is from a channel standpoint. Of, I mean, a few years ago, we were thinking channels. I don't think there is any consumer anymore that is thinking channel and is thinking, "Well, I'm going down this channel or that, that channel or the channel." So, how do we make it seamless? the experience uh, uh, in, uh, in for consumers in, 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 a, in a multi, in an omni-channel approach. That's the second thing that I think is um, coming very clearly, not only in our, in, in our industry, I think in, in many, many, many industries. Uh, but the third one that I, I, I think is very present is uh, 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 consumers more and more looking at not you know, as a company that is making a great products, but also a company that needs to be a great company. There needs to be a great global citizen, if you want. And, and so asking the company, and I'm trying to understand what companies are doing to be global citizens and, and a good global citizens. So the impact that you have and the positive impact that you have, I think this is, this is clearly uh, a, a trend that, that we're seeing more and more, which personally I like a lot because I think it's just the right thing. And if I if I can say, uh, um, it, it's great to be in this moment in time where this trend is is there, so that the social impact of the company is great to be in Estee Lauder because Estee Lauder is a I think from this point of view is a special company. I mean, it's it's one year I'm still learning. But I, I, I'm loving uh, what I'm seeing because it's a it's a big company, no? It's a, it's a, it's it's, it's, a, you know, it's a multi-billion company, but at the same time, it's still uh, very uh, driven by the value of the family, the value of the founder, and by the value of the fa- family 
that it's uh, that it's uh, that it's still very very present. And I think that is uh, the, the the we say well uh, beauty inspired value driven, and I think it represents at best the the trend that you are saying consumer and and society. So beauty inspired. How do we continue to develop beauty solutions? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, value-driven. So we're just making sure that we do this by absolutely doing at best that we can the right thing and the right um, contribution to the place, to the communities we work with, to the consumers we impact, to the employees we are lucky to have, et cetera, et cetera. And this is really coming from the values at the at the core of uh, of our company. That's I don't great. Give a full answer, but I. I really think it's, it's, it's something special about this company. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point of view because, it, you know, particularly in the beauty industry, that's a challenge, right? I mean, with, you know, the history of animal testing and various and sundry other things, how products are sourced. And the consumer, as you said, is far more far more aware of these things these days. But because, and this, is, this, all, this makes me think of House of Gucci, right? The movie. Because the family is involved and has evolved the company into a big global enterprise, you can see how, if you've ever seen that movie, by the way, and if you haven't watched it, it's a good one. you can see how difficult that transition is and that the, the family and the founders were able to do that is a huge accomplishment, right? And it does go back to the core values of doing good, doing well by doing good, right? Rather than just protecting or projecting the brand, which you could see as a clear goal in, at least in the movie. Of course, there was some artistic license there, I'm yeah. sure. But Keeping on that, I have seen the movie and it's a great movie, but I don't know. I, I, uh, uh, I just building on what you are saying, the, uh, you know, you know, companies are trying to do the, trying to do the right things. And there are moments in which you do, you do great and moments in which you have a challenge. It's, it's normal. But what I, what I really like is coming from this value-driven, from the family value-driven is, uh, you know, it's 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 a deep respect. Because then, then it tri- it, it, those behaviors are, are, are triggering all the rest, I think. You know, I, I am a strong believer on daily behaviors. Now we can have big declaration of intent, big stuff, but then that's what you do daily that makes the difference. And the level of uh, respect for the individual, the level of... Uh, uh, how can I say, uh, uncompromising integrity, the level of authenticity mm. and performance-oriented culture together, you can see it every day. And I think that is that is the, what makes it special because it's coming, it's still the, 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 the legacy that we have in a multi-billion company. So I, I think it's a special combination. Personally, that's my opinion. Well, it, it feels like it would be a really motivating environment to be in. Obviously, y- you enjoy it, clearly. Um, so I, I, a little bit yeah, of passion, Greg. You're picking up on that yeah. too? Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Well, I mean, look, you know greatness when you see it, right? And clearly you're seeing it. And I, I think that's rewarding in a lot of ways, obviously. You know, rewarding because you get to carry on that vision and clearly it aligns with your own. But also because when you hit on something like that. You just feel it and it feels better to do your job every day, right? Yes, exactly right. So tell so we so that's great. I'm glad we underpinned this with the the, the core values and the performance of, of Estee Lauder. Also, by the way, I love the fact that 
you see the supply chain as a network or, you know, or an ecosystem or whatever you want to call it. But, um, and, and it, that's true. I think it's funny because I've been having these conversations, Roberto, and I'm sure you have too, about what should we call it? Should we call it supply chain? And I keep telling people, you know, we really just settled on supply chain just a few years ago. Yeah. Right before that, it was transportation and logistics and purchasing and procurement. And, and there was no sort of overarching theme. So while I think all of those as themes are a great thing, it, it seems like a bit of a challenge, at least right now, to change the name of the practice. Though I'm sure there are a lot of people, I know, I talk to them every day and I don't disagree with them, that, that it pro there's probably a better all-encompassing name for, for what we do every day. Uh, but I really, really appreciate that you project that perspective as well, because we do need to think about as yeah. nonlinear, right? As I, I think an ecosystem is probably as good as it is. So on that front, tell us a little bit about um, Estee Lauder and the and the ecosystem or supply chain. Um, you know, you know, kind of how how it works, or you know, the footprint of it, or you know, some of the challenges or opportunities that you guys are seeing in yours. Yeah, uh, well, um, we, have, um, uh, we have a we're a global company, so we have a global footprint. We are present in, in, in most countries around the world. We are present as a supply chain, of course, also in most countries around the world. We are uh, um, we really, we really look at the all end-to-end -end from a supply chain standpoint, the all end-to-end, -end because I work very closely. And actually, I think it's a great, great value in, in, uh, in this company. Uh, there is a there is an R and D and innovation uh, uh, function, and then there is a supply chain functions. But together we call ourselves actually to the point of network of ecosystem. Uh, we used to say a value value chain. Now we're we're saying we want to call ourselves value network. To say chain <laughs> is a network. It's an internal uh, terminology, but more saying we are actually very connected and we are building together. So I I work very closely starting with the R&D team, and, and the R&D team knows what is happening downstream. So we are very interconnected. So we, we start really very upstream, and then it's, it's the end-to-end -end supply chain. So from, I mean, it's the source plan, make and deliver 100%, but in the source, is really very connected to uh, R&D and innovation because we, the way we innovate, develop, industrialize, and launch is, 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 is very, very... Uh, interconnected and we are very interdependent. And of course, most of most of the decision that you take upstream then will influence supply chain uh, for for years to come. So uh, that is that is uh, that is something we do we do very strongly. And at the same time, we are, we are uh, like with all all our um, let's say supply chain steps, we go into the the go to market organization. And again, we have multiple channels we're dealing with, and we are trying to manage them as omni-channel as possible. So it's a very nice uh, footprint because it's global. It's multi-categories because we have, we have basically big categories like hair care, like fragrance, like makeup and skincare. So those are big categories and many, many subcategories. More than, I think, 25 uh, uh, global luxury brands. So is uh, is brands and categories in in multiple countries with a with a global footprint, and it's truly a global footprint. We really look at it from a global standpoint. We are trying to um, be also regionalized as, as much as possible, so that we are closer to uh, we make where we sell basically, and we source where we make, and that's what we are trying to push. 
but always with a global network in mind. So we are not, yes, it's regional, but it's a global network and we try to optimize the global network and regionalization is one of the elements of that, but always with a, with a global um, uh, interconnected point of view. So it's end-to-end, -end. it's a beautiful job, I think. I'm lucky, as I said, because it's, it's really end-to-end. -end. It's a beautiful uh, company to join if you like supply chain because it's the scope is the most extended you can think of and also is going very, very much upstream and very much downstream for the, the tourism that I, that I said. So let's talk about um, one of the newest additions to your global supply chain footprint, new innovative uh, distribution center in Galgenen, Switzerland. Uh, two quick questions there. First off, um, why did you all choose that collection, uh, that location rather? And secondly, how does this new DC roll into the path forward for the Estee Lauder companies? Yeah, no, that, that, that's a that's a, a, um, a, a very important new site uh, overall for our supply chain and specifically uh, for our travel retail business. Travel retail is is one of the channels that I was mentioning before. It's a channel we have, uh, uh, um, we, we believe, uh, will continue to evolve and to be a very, very strong uh, growth opportunity. Uh, and that's why Galgen and Galgen and basically is doubling our capacity. We are we're having our uh, um, sites already in Switzerland, so this will be the fourth one, and mm. this is uh, uh, will basically double the capacity. It's a big investment in technology. It's a big investment in sustainability, making sure that we do it in the most sustainable way. It's a big investment in, uh, I mean, state state of the art technology to cope with the demand that, that we project will be very very. The growth will be there. That's why we are doubling the capacity so that we can have capacity overall, but also a lot of flexibility because, I mean, what we are seeing in this world in those days is kind of a little bit of volatility. In <laughs> I hadn't noticed that. <laughs> you did. Yeah. yeah, no, that's, that's good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check on that and see if anyone else has experienced <laughs> So I think it's important to have this, this um, yeah, no question. capacity to make sure that we are, you know, following the growth properly. We stay a little bit ahead of the game instead of running after the game, if you want. And that's the logic of Gagnon. Uh, the, 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 the we have invested in technology. We wanted to have a state-of-the-art technology for, I mean, of course, for efficiency, for quality, uh, but at the same time, it's, and, and so this is a great opportunity for the global fulfillment, not only for, for the uh, travel retail, this is dedicated to travel retail, but I mean, this, the learning of what we're doing there will be then, of course, immediately uh, um, uh, shared with, with our other channel fulfillment network. But here, as much as technology we've invested in at the end of the day, even there, the, the difference is done by people. I am a strong believer, and maybe we can talk later, but I'm a strong believer that whatever the technology, that the competitive advantage is done with team and people. And even there, I mean, we have developed something which, I, again, I think is state-of-the-art, but it's the way we manage, and the way we manage this site within the ecosystem of travel retail that is making the difference more than the technology itself, which is great. Yeah, yeah. Greg, uh, you know, we're talking about how there's a lot of kinder spirits here pre-show. And then the more mm -hmm. Roberto talks, the more, man, we may be related. We may be second cousins. I don't know. Because we love the focus on the people side of digital transformation, 
and the people side of uh, technological advancement. Um, you know, I mean, if we do, if we don't talk about anything, that is a recurring theme here, Greg, right? Yeah, and I think also, um, you know, we just talked to Tony Jackson at Lexmark, another outstanding practitioner and leader. And Roberto, if you don't know her, let us connect you with her because you two are also kindred spirits. Because the other thing that she talked about was product development and, and you know, sort of verticalizing the supply chain to make sure that the product is built in the way that facilitates great supply chain, supply chain facilitates the way the product has to be made, that sourcing is done to meet the core values of the company, all of those things. And I think seeing, hearing that as a theme two interviews in a row is really, really encouraging because more and more companies need to think of their own, even whether it's inside or outside their four walls, their own vertical supply chain as a network like that and that one can feed the other, right? It's a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Well said. Absolutely. One last thing. I want, I want to talk about some of y'all's uh, supply chain priorities moving ahead. Um, but, you know, one last thing here. Roberto strikes me. You know, another common element from our chat, Greg, with Tanya was the importance of outcomes, right? Deeds, not words, we say around here, right? Um, because it, it really, pl it, it plays on the so what factor. You know, you can have the perfectly written mission statement and policy right. and this and the other. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't benefit your people in a meaningful way and it doesn't also uh, create enjoyment and engagement in what they do day in and day out, who cares? And that's some of what I'm picking up with Roberto when it comes to, um, you know, the power, power of the people and, and, and why they're doing some of the things at, at Estee Lauder Company. Quick comment on that. And then I'll move into supply chain priorities, Roberto. Um, look, I, 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 that, you said it. You said it exactly, exactly right. I think uh, the one of the passion that I, one of the reason why I'm so passionate about this, uh, this, uh, this profession, is that it's, it's it's really about people. And we might talk later, but it, it, it's really, um, uh, it, and it's 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 to me, supply chain is is like an, an example where you have that diversity is there by definition because we touch so many different areas that it is it is it is very it's difficult to run a supply chain if you really are not very strongly um, oriented in supporting diversity and inclusion because it, it is diverse per se so if, its if you do not system yeah. and if you don't include the ecosystem in with very diverse experiences and very diverse profiles in the same network team, ah, you're not really managing supply chain. And that's that's why it's 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 about people. So I really believe that the, the team dynamics that you are able to create in supply chain are the biggest competitive advantage, bigger than any technology. I mean, technology, it's all important, don't get me wrong, it's actually fundamental. But I think all those things are uh, incredibly relevant, but can be somehow copied. A very different leadership style with a very strong people-oriented culture with uh, the very interconnected team dynamics that are actually multiplying the power of the team instead of, you know, but it requires a lot of energy, a lot of commitment, a lot of the sense of purpose aligned with what you're really doing, a lot of uh, energy 
every day. And how do you build your energy every day? So on top of technologies and capabilities, commitment, energy, real cohesions are phenomenal ingredients of supply chain. Mm -hmm. And if you have those, I think you really go to the next level. A lot, they become more of a competitive advantage than others because they're a lot more difficult to copy. It takes an effort. It's easy to say what I'm saying, and it's a, it's a 10 minutes podcast. I say it and then it's nice. But to do it every day and really in an authentic way, because if you are not authentic, people will see. I mean, right. they, they, right. it takes a month instead of a week. I don't know, but it, it's, it's not longer. And I think that's the beauty of when you have really people at the center. Here we, talk, we, we say in, in, in this phenomenal company, we talk about people, planet, and, uh, and performances. And they all need to be there. But I, I think it's, if you don't start with people, it's very difficult that you go on the rest. And then it, then it comes the real impact that you want to have to people and to planet and the sustainability journey. And there is a lot that we're, we're doing in this company. And then it's performance. And if you don't have performance, you cannot sustain the other two. Right. It's somehow connected, but it, it's, it's, the, it's the people that's, that, that you start with, I think. Amen. Uh, Roberto, well said. Greg, I know you're dying to add a quick comment based on what you heard there before we talked uh, supply chain priorities. Anything to add there, Greg? I just think, I mean, if there's anything anyone has heard throughout this entire show, it's authenticity, right? I mean, this is this is who Roberto is and obviously is a projection of, of the values of the company, of Estee Lauder itself. So yep. I think, you know, the thing that really hit home was people can tell if you're whatever, faking it, whatever. It's clear that he's not. Right. <laughs> right. No, and it's also not. clear. And, and it's also clear that the company um, instills those values readily into their people. Right. That's right. So, hey, Val, Amanda, Brantley, if you're listening, hey, you're going to love Estee Lauder even more after you hear from its leaders. So, uh, uh, and that is my mother-in-law, my wife, and my uh, oldest daughter, daughter. Uh, who are big yeah. fans, we touched on the front end. Okay, so uh, keep talking supply chain, the, the beauty of supply chain. We're just going to steal that phrase from Roberto. Um, when you think of 2023 and beyond, Roberto, what's going to be some of the company's uh, maybe new or continued supply chain products? Yeah, well, we have, uh, we have a few things here that I can answer with. Uh, we, have, uh, we say we have two values that are coming before priorities. So it's even before we talk priorities. For us, safety and quality are like, they, 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 because priorities can change. No? Then right. those will, will never change. They are so related to what we said about people and what we said about our brands and what we stand for in beauty-inspired by the brand. So. Uh, if we put aside safety and, and quality, not because they're not because they are so important that they come before priorities. From a priority standpoint, uh, one that I really want to mention, uh, and it, it goes back to the first question, Greg, you asked about the, the consumer and, and and the trends, is is on sustainability, and and I think it's it's a big journey, and and the journey towards you know social and environmental and and and, and the, the whole spectrum there is is definitely. Uh, uh, right front and center for us. Actually, on, on, I take the opportunity to mention um, uh, something here. Um, there is a, we just became a, a, at the beginning of this year, a founding member of a, a new organization which is called Zero 100. And the, the Zero 100 stands for uh, uh, zero impact uh, thanks to 100% digital, which basically means how do we help companies or how do we have that? That's the, the, the logic of this organization is. How do we put together companies so that we can 
develop the thinking on uh, reaching a zero impact thanks to technology, thanks to digital, not only as a specific solution, but as a overall, uh, let's say, way of doing things, overall language, overall opportunity. So the technology digital. And I like the zero 100 because it's extreme. So it's not... Mm-hmm. It's not about continuous improvement. So I'm doing something. How can I do it a bit better? I, I, I am a fan of continuous improvement. I, I love it. But I think in this case, what I love even more is uh, to go to zero 100 is disruptive thinking. So we need to do something disruptive here in thinking. How do we really get to that? So sustainability and and, and, and one of the big uh, moves that we've done is, is, is on, on many things, but including being a, a founding member of Zero One Hundred. Actually, we are, we were uh, and we are very synchronized in the company because together with our head of sustainability uh, and our uh, um, um, EVP for uh, marketing, enterprise marketing, and, and the chief digital data officer, which is Jane Lauder. So we went to one of these events, their event, together to talk about how do we develop digital to look for. How, how do we go for 100 to look for zero together as a company, not only in supply chain or in uh, in one area or in another area? Yep. Hey, but Roberto, really quick. I think I saw, as we were doing some homework for this conversation, our dear friend, uh, Sandra McQuillan with Mondelez is, is part of that initiative. Have you met Sandra? Absolutely. Absolutely. Sandra is part of the initiative. And uh, we have, I mean, uh, Sandra and I, we, we go back many years in and knowing each other. And we, we actually, we, we both actually love this initiative. It's, I think for them, you should ask her, but I'm pretty sure I I, I, I think I can say it. We, we both looked at this opportunity in, in the same way. That's that's the, the beauty of this Zero 100 stands in the ambition of Zero 100 and how we can put together leading companies to develop the thinking in that's, that's, that space. So Sandra is absolutely there as well. Yes, Greg, uh, her last appearance was was with us was a bit of a master class. And I got to say, hey, Roberto's appearance with us here today is kind of feeling the same vibe. How about you, Greg? Yeah, unquestionably. I mean, I mean, it's just good. It, it, you can feel the momentum building. Uh, I feel it over the last maybe year or so of more and more of these visionaries, supply chain leaders, just general leaders that happen to be in supply chain taking over the reins and starting to not, not just change their supply chain or change their sourcing, but to start to change or impact um, their companies and how they view the world and how they operate and, and therefore change the world. So I I think it's, it's a great thing to see. And, you know, we've always known the power was there, Mm. right? Um. So I, I think it's it's good to see people that can harness that power and Sandra, and the result. She's an outstanding leader. Mm, agreed. Hey, we're we're big fans. Uh, in fact, we're co-chairs of the uh, Atlanta, uh, Georgia Sandra McQuillan Fan Club. Uh, Roberto, uh, as Greg yeah. knows. So that's right. Um, <laughs> so but every day I eat one Oreo in her honor. <laughs> Um, Roberto, we were talking priorities a second ago, and and I know that was one that uh, the big collaboration, uh, zero, uh, zero 100, was that, what's the name of the initiative again? Was uh, zero 100 is the name of the company that has, uh, that, that is developing uh, this, this 
new way of thinking, this new organization. Yeah. Okay. So sustainability is definitely one one big, uh, big big priority for us. But if I look at the overall supply chain and adding uh, in a couple of others, uh, I think for us, you know, synchronization. I was mentioning before. Uh, and, and synchronization, the way we are trying to reach the best synchronization possible is to three things. One, we call it a signal orchestration. So it's it's the whole integrated business planning, if you want. I mean, the variability and the unpredictability and the volatility around that, <laughs> it's, it's, it's decently high. And, and we said, okay, yes, there is a lot that we cannot predict and there is a lot that we cannot plan for, but there is also a lot more that we can plan for if we do the right thing and if we really create the right visibility with the right tool and the right integrations business with the business uh, uh, and, and supply chain. So we're working closely on that signal orchestration. The other part of it is responsiveness of supply chain. So how do we shorten our supply chain? Because whatever signal we orchestrate will never be, the, the unpredictability will still be there. So how do we create if you want speed and agility, so responsiveness, reacting faster and changing faster, and a lot of a lot of uh, um, uh, 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 programs there to achieve this, but basically it's shortening the supply chain. And underlining all of that, we we call it sufficiency, which is basically uh, 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 the right capacity and the right capabilities be it the right capacity like Galgenen to sustain the growth, the right capabilities in terms of capabilities that I need to continue to develop and, and be leading uh, or a leader in, in what we do, but also in terms of business continuity. How do I ensure that I have enough sufficiency? Should something happen in a place? How do I uh, you know, have the right business continuity? So those are the three areas. Of course, there are many actions within those three areas, but how do I orchestrate signal, how do I respond faster and how do I ensure that in both cases I keep on having the right sufficiency is, is the three three main buckets of actions we, we have. I love that. Uh, uh, the image of a supply chain symphony uh, comes to my mind, right? With uh, the, the different sections from percussion to uh, the uh, uh, woodwinds was that right? I'm I'm really drawing on music 101, Greg, uh, from way back. <laughs> um, so, woodwinds, strings, brass, <laughs> yeah, right. and we've got quite a maestro here. But Greg, as as Roberto kind of painted that picture of priorities moving forward, the three items, the underpinnings, the whole shebang. Uh, your thoughts, there? Yeah, I mean, I think um, we have to address the complexity of supply chain with a simple, holistic view, right? And the more we think of the one thing that we do in supply chain, the more we can accomplish what so many of these leaders, and Roberto particularly today, are, are trying to achieve. And that is we have one single singular job, and that is to deliver. Right? It's as simple as that. Whoever your constituency is, whether that's another business, whether it's a consumer, whether it's internal uh, constituencies, we have to deliver. We have to do so reliably. We have to do so with time within a time constraint. We have to do it within cost constraints, and we have to do it ethically. Is the that's the fourth pillar that I would I would add there. Um, and I think when we think about the job as simple. And the tactics and the uh, objectives as complex, then 
it gives us this perspective. And Roberto has projected that very clearly today, right? right. Agreed. Uh, and along those ter- along those lines, uh, that focus on sufficiency, right? Uh, the focus on shortening supply chain, uh, you know, removing the, the uh, needless uh, complexity, right? Because to your point, Greg, keeping it simple, right? Gosh, who doesn't like things? It doesn't mean like was made on one of the shows earlier this week. Doesn't mean it's not tough and difficult and complex, but being intentional about keeping things as simple as possible. Love that. Roberto, before we talk about Eureka moments, as we're coming down the stretch, uh, the final couple legs of our interview here, uh, man, I really, really appreciate uh, the picture you're painting of not just the supply chain organization at Estee Lauder, but really um, uh, the the pulse of the enterprise, kind of the you know the values that drives the company. Um, before we talk Eureka moments, your final thoughts on you know kind of um, you know the years to come, the, the next couple of years to come. Clearly, you're excited. Oh, I personally, I am. Uh, I'm very excited because of. I mean, I'm I'm lucky to to have a, a, a great job in the profession that I love. In a, in, I mean, a phenomenal, phenomenal company, as I have repeated a few times. Uh, so personally, I feel very lucky. But uh, but I I I think that uh, moving from personal to the the profession, I think we we can see the next two or three years. Uh, uh, in in two ways, I think, and I, my my wife keeps on telling me that I am very optimistic, way too optimistic, always pretty positive. So just like we need that, I, I love that, Roberta. Really, I, I love that. We need a lot more of that in the world, I believe. There was a disclaimer saying, "Look, I, I I tend to be let's say half full more than half empty, or maybe <laughs> <laughs> one fifth full." Then <laughs> uh, anyhow, anyhow, that that said. I, I, you know, it is what it is. I mean, what is happening around us? It's, I mean, this year has been unprecedented for me. I've been, I've been, I started my my career in September, um, so 30 years ago, 31 years ago. So it was, uh, it was 91. So I, 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 I don't think I've ever seen a year like this one in which uh, every, most of the things that we've seen this year happen in the past. Not all of them, but most of them. But never I have seen all of them at the same time. Right, and I don't think it will change. I don't think it will change. Maybe, maybe something will change. Maybe it will get worse. Maybe then something will ease up. But I think this uh, um, uh, very uh, challenging situations around us will will continue for a while. I don't know how long, but certainly it's not a three months. It's okay. Let's stay over for three months, and then everything will be easy. That that is not the case. So I'm looking at it more as a, as an opportunity to then say, okay, okay. So what is what is the what what different music we need to play now because the instruments are there. I cannot influence. I cannot change what is happening around us. I, I just can't. I can I can try to play my my role, but to a certain extent, I can influence something. Others, I I definitely cannot. What I can really control is what I can control, and how do I adapt to that? And if you want, it's a very interesting challenge as well. Now. Uh, would I love to be in a moment in which some of those things would disappear and, and it would be we would be in a much better world? Of course I would. But that some of those things, I mean, I cannot do anything about it. So the best that I can do is to help my team and try to be at the service of my team to play the best music possible given the situation, because we will come out stronger. And so I'm seeing this more as a okay, let's look at the opportunity here more right. than 
the complaint, because this will stay. That's why I was thinking that signal orchestration is a big one to me, because I really think there is a lot more that we can do. And this will make make us a lot stronger whenever some of those things will, will ease up. Yes. It's a learning experience. You know, I, I like learning. I am I'm curious. I like learning. It's a learning experience. If we, uh, as a supply chain, we've never been so visible, I think. So there's a good and a bad thing in being visible, but we've never been so uh, visible because it's uh, um, one, one friend of mine uh, uh, said, look, Mark Engel that's just left, uh, left uh, uh, um, Unilever said, supply chain is like air. It's like oxygen. When you, when you have it, you don't know you have it and it's, but you're enjoying life. When you don't have it or there's a problem, then immediately you realize the, the problem. Of, and I mean, there is there is a, uh, there is something in this analogy, I think. Yeah. And I think that's how do we continue to create oxygen for all of us or, uh, or breathing space for all of us in these new circumstances is also a nice challenge. Yes. I love that one. We might have to steal that one, Greg. Um, all right. So as we want one final, uh, two final questions for you, uh, but but one's easy. Uh, this one here, you know, some of these days we, we've referred a lot to the last couple of years, kind of this, 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 um, all the challenges we've, we've been through as a global society. Uh, some days it seems like it just crept along. We've had a eureka moment every minute it feels. And other days, you know, we, we get a breath of fresh air to your earlier analogy. Um, what's been one key eureka moment, especially from a leadership standpoint, Roberto, in the last couple of years? Um, I, I don't know if there's been a moment, but a, a, a specific moment, but it's been, let's say, the experience of dealing with people and going through some of those challenges, uh, challenges uh, that I, 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 basically two things. One is uh, uh, a stronger and stronger realization of, uh, uh, I leave the second one, the, the nicest one, I think the one that I like the most for the second one, but the first one is important to me is uh, uh, how important is not to have a big ego. Uh, because you can see some, sometimes how the ego stands in between, you know, a person and a solution. I don't know how to mm-hmm. say it, or a person and other person. So having a very low ego service-oriented, service to the people-oriented approach to me makes a huge difference in... Uh, uh, in the way you inspire, in the way you see people really, really uh, 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 willing to, to work together with you and you being part of something. And I think that to me is, is, is I, I, it's not a, it's not been a moment, but I, I'm, the more I see it, the more it becomes, uh, um, you know, stronger and stronger and, and, and it more and more visible. And, uh, and and I, I like it. I, I I really can relate to many examples and see how powerful you can be or the opposite, depending on on how ego uh, is playing a role or not. Completely agree. And, and the second one, if I still have one minute, is uh, unfortunately this is not mine. I have heard from uh, this this from a from a, a mentor that I had in the past. I owe I owe him a lot. Because I've learned from him a lot. His, his, his name is Marco Grazioli. He's, he's another um, Italian friend now. Is uh, well, he told me, look, there are uh, there are uh, when, when, whenever you are developing your career, you need to look at uh, windows and mirrors. And said because mirrors are important, but you need you need many more windows and only a few mirrors. And he said mirrors are you see yourself and you see the past, you see behind. So yeah, it's good to make sure that you are in good order. 
but it's about yourself and it's about behind. Mm. Windows mm. are you're looking at others and you're looking in front. What is next? So as he was saying, just remember to balance mirrors and windows and make sure that you have a bit more windows than mirrors. And I and I just love it because it, it is, it is, you know, it's not about you, it's about the others. It's not about what happened. I mean, just take the learning, but just talk about what you can do, the opportunity, the what is in front, what you can build. And this is creating a very different energy with the teams. If you do that, that's my experience. And I am trying to do the best that I can. I'm, I'm sure that I, I can do a million times better. But if you just keep it in mind, it's working. So it's not a moment, but it's a series of learnings. Uh, and I, I just just play with it every day and you see a big difference. Yes. Uh, and, and, and I'll tell you, it sounds like uh, both of those uh, learnings have been further validated and further validated here in the recent years. So um, Greg, I love that. We need more windows and mirrors, right? It makes me think of gumball rally where the Italian race driver rips the mirror off of his Ferrari and says the first rule of Italian race car driving, what is behind you? She does not matter. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Check out Gumball Rally. I tell you, I learn something new every day. Um, all right. So, Roberto, um, I bet you get asked all the time uh, to keynote and come out and speak to folks. Uh, and, and, you know, no matter how much you're doing it, we need to do it a lot more because we need folks uh, like you that um, we need more visionary thinking and inspirational thinking in the craft that is supply chain management uh now more so now than ever before then you know it's not gonna get any easier it's not gonna get any easier for sure so roberto how can folks connect with you and the estee lauder companies uh look very easy i mean visit our site i mean estelauderacompanies.com there is everything there the old connection there our social media and i'm very happy to have to connect i mean just just connect me on linkedin reach me out on linkedin i i I, I I try to be <laughs> to respond and to be as, as present as I can. I just love the profession, so anything that I can do to continue to help develop, um, um, I think those are the three three ways. I mean, our social media channels, our website, and and LinkedIn. Just reach out. Well, thank you so much, Roberto, for joining us here today. Really, one of one of my uh, Greg, one of my favorite recent conversations we've had here. Right? How about you? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think um, the combination of culture, of experience, the ability to uh, um, eliminate the ego of that experience and see this as a symphony where you bring your instrument, you join with the other instruments and you play the tune that's necessary for, you know, for the company that you're at, I think is, it's it's great. It's just, this has been a really, really great analogy. I think a lot of people can take this, distill it down into whatever they're passionate about and go, okay, you know, I, I can see a path forward by using some of the principles that Roberto has, has presented here. That's right. Completely agree. Okay. Uh, we've run out of time. want to say a big thanks to Roberto Canavari, Executive Vice President, Global Supply Chain with the Estee Lauder Companies. Roberto, really, you're, you're a breath of fresh air yeah. and really appreciate uh, the time you spent with us here. Thank you. Thanks to you, Scott. And Greg, thanks a lot for inviting me. You bet. Yeah, thanks uh, for joining us, Roberto. Big thanks to his colleagues, Bree and the whole gang for helping us facilitate. Uh, big thanks to my colleague here, my partner in crime, Greg White, of course, to all of our listeners. And, and on that note, really, uh, there's so many 
t-shirt isms, Greg. I've got uh, my 17 pages of notes, but only, and, and I, I couldn't, uh, I love your play on the symphony uh, a moment ago. All I can come up with is, hey, rip the mirrors off, lean into those windows, uh, do good, give forward, be the change, be like Roberto Cannavari. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Thank you.